0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our prophecy this morning, the people of God had felt as if they were abandoned by him. It seemed to them that he had left them and did not care for them. They cried out, saying, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. They felt as if God did not see their situation, and even if he did, that he would not help them. Through the prophet, the Lord asks them to consider how he cares even for creation itself. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their hosts by number. He calls them by name, by the greatness of his might and strength of his power, not one is missing. If this is the case, why, O Israel, do you think that God doesn't care for you? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. He tells them that he knows their situation, and while it is terrible for them, and they know it and feel it, he knows that what he is doing is best for them, for his understanding is unsearchable. If they wait on him, trusting in his mercy and deliverance, they will see his salvation, and their strength will be renewed. This is echoed in our gospel this morning from St. John, a little while and you will see me. And you will not see me, pardon, says the Lord, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. At first the disciples did not understand any of this. This was said after our Lord's last supper with them, and while they were on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus would pray and then be delivered over into the hands of sinful men. They did not understand and so they ask themselves what it could mean. Knowing this, our Lord adds, Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, and the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has come into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. On this side of the events, with the illumination of the Holy Spirit, it's easy for us to see what our Lord is speaking about here. He's telling his disciples of his coming death, resurrection, and ascension. A little while, and you will not see me. In just a few short hours, their Lord would be taken away from them, arrested, tried in the middle of the night, sentenced to death upon a cross where he would die a painful and agonizing death. And a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Yet after three days they will see him again. He will rise from the dead and appear to them, coming to them and strengthening them them and their faith over the course of 40 days before he finally ascends into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. This is what they are to be prepared for, to be ready for. They don't know it yet at this time, but once it had happened, and once the Holy Spirit descended upon them at Pentecost and revealed to them all things, they understood this and remembered that our Lord had told them. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. During this time, for the first little while, they will weep and lament. They will weep with uncontrollable weeping, with tears flowing from their eyes like rivers, They will lament with deep wails, bewailing and mourning the dead. They will have the greatest sadness that any of them ever had or would ever experience. They would see their teacher, their Lord, their master, their friend, who was with them every day for three years, bearing their burdens and teaching them the way of God, hanging in bloody agony upon the tree and eventually breathing his last during all of this the world was rejoicing the world which could not stand to see him the world which opposed him because he came to point out sin so that repenting of it and trusting in him it might be forgiven the world opposed him because he said that he came to take away sin and bring light to darkness this satan the world and all those who do not believe cannot stand. They like things the way they are and see no reason to change. It is insulting to them that they be told that they have sinned, that they are wrong, and that what they think this life is, what they think is the height and pinnacle of life, is actually death. The wisdom of Solomon An apocryphal book from between the Testaments paints this attitude very well when it says, Let us lie and wait for the righteous man. He reproaches us for sins against the law and accuses us of sins against our training. He professes to have knowledge of God and calls himself a child of the Lord. He became a reproof to our thoughts. The very sight of him is a burden to us because his manner of life is unlike that of others, and his ways are strange to us. How well this describes the world's attitude to the Lord, especially at his death. The Pharisees and the chief priests took joy in Jesus' sufferings and death. They mocked and jeered him, saying, If he's the Son of God, let God deliver him, and if you are the Christ, come down from the cross, and we will believe in you. When he finally dies, they rejoice all the more, thinking that they've won and that they can now continue to live just as they had before without him, with him taken out of the picture. (laughs) Yet this joy, like the sorrow of the disciples, would be short-lived. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. The joy of the world at Christ's death, like all of the world's pleasures, is vain and vapid and cannot last. For Christ did not remain dead, but he arose. His rising from the dead was the joyous sign that he had overcome sin, death, the devil, and the world. When he appears to the disciples so that they see him again, they see him not as an apparition, not as a ghost nor as a spirit but they see him in the flesh in the body and they rejoice with an eternal rejoicing at seeing christ jesus alive again risen from the dead they are comforted their sorrow is no longer remembered for the extent of their joy of course they remember what they were sorrowful about they vividly remembered the events of the crucifixion but the sorrow of it does not outweigh the joy that has now come because of the same event. For in that death he was atoning for their sins and making peace with God. He did not stay dead, but now he lives and lives eternally, never more to die, and is promised that all who trust in him will likewise be raised to eternal life with him. The promise of God in Christ are exceedingly great, And the joy that the disciples have from Jesus' resurrection can never be taken from them, even in the midst of their future sufferings, even as they are rejected by the majority of their own people, even when they are hungry on the road going to foreign nations to preach the gospel, even when they are put to death because of that gospel. Yes, their joy remains with them, even through death into life eternal. And as it was with the disciples, as it is at many times with the people of Israel in the Old Testament, so too it is with us. Our Lord's words, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy, also finds a place within our hearts and expression in our lives. For there are many sorrows. That, we, that the Christian undergoes in this life. There are great and deep sorrows. Some are experienced by all people, whether Christian or not, such as the loss of a dear friend, the loss of a child or spouse or parent. Some sorrows accompany sickness, both acute and long-term. But the greatest sorrow that a Christian can have, which no one else but a Christian can know, is to feel as if christ has left one this for the christian is the worst and deepest sorrow to feel as if christ our lord our savior our joy and our hope has abandoned us what joy can there be if our if within our hearts it appears as if he who died to forgive our sins has withdrawn and taken away this from us it is true Anguish in the soul, one which Martin Luther describes as the feeling as if Christ has died within us. It's not something that God permits to happen to all Christians, but for many it does, and it is the sorrow which he allows according to his deep and unfathomable understanding. It is a feeling as if we are alone with no one to help, feeling as if God himself is ignoring us and has stopped our ears to us. And it's truly a deep and dark sorrow, whether it comes on its own or whether it accompanies other great sorrows. No matter the cause of the sorrow, the world, which, that which is in line with the devil and a part of his fleeting kingdom, takes pleasure in the sorrows of Christ's people. There are many that will say that we deserve it, because we Christians have had it good for too long in their eyes. Others simply can't be happy unless others are sorrowful. For the world hates Christ, and so too it hates Christ's people. It hates that its joy in his death was short-lived, and that now he lives and reigns and will come again. It hates that, like Christ, our ways are strange to them, and that by our lives, our faith, and our confession, we are a reproof to them. In our own confession to be sinners in need of a Savior, the world sees that they are accused of the same thing, of sin. Even though we do so, even when we do so, pointing pointing out their sin openly to them, we do it for their sakes and out of love that they might come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved, so that they might repent of their sins and come to faith in Christ and receive the true joy of salvation. Yet let us not be disheartened by this, for the world's joy and our sorrow will not last. Despite how we may feel, we have the sure words of Christ which are far more certain. Even if this, in this sorrow we feel cut off and abandoned, and without Christ, we may be sure that he is there, and with us throughout it. He has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is present as our Lord, our Redeemer, and our Savior to forgive our sins. Let us not judge according to our feelings, no matter how powerful and convincing, but rather judge according to the word of Christ, which is sure and certain. No matter what we may think in the time, Our Lord has promised us that our sorrows will have an end. While he may be hidden from us, he has promised that this will be a little while. Let us not despair in that time, thinking that all is lost, even if that is how it feels. Rather, trust in Christ and wait on the Lord, and in the proper time he will come with comfort. Remember that it is only a little while. In the midst of it, a little while can feel like an eternity and in the grand scheme of things that little while may be with us to the end of our earthly lives we do not know nor can we know in the midst of it but it is done according to god's unfathomable understanding but we do know is that our lord has said it will be a little while this is our hope and our comfort in the midst of sorrows a refreshing cup in the midst of the desert heat And while the world rejoices when we sorrow, we may take comfort knowing that our sorrow will end. Our Lord will comfort us. He will come again to give us joy that no one can take away. For forty days after his resurrection, Christ our Lord went to the Father. There he now sits at his right hand, having all power and authority given to him. He, the God-man... The one who is truly divine and truly human, with a divine and human nature, who is both our God and our brother, he holds all authority. He rules over all creation, even over the world that hates him. Satan is called the prince of the powers of the air and the ruler of this world, but he's not the true ruler. He is called such because the world and the fallen angels because of sin, follow after him rather than the true ruler, the Lord God, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. The worldly, now feeling as if God doesn't care, as if he doesn't know, as if he doesn't even exist, they think he will not do anything, and so they follow their fleshly lusts, pursue vice while calling it virtue, hoard wealth and possessions, and spend lavishly on themselves. In this they claim to find joy. Yet it is a vain, fleeting, and temporary one. It cannot last even within this life. There is always more that is needed. But even if that joy was to last throughout this entire life, that fleeting, vain joy will turn to sorrow and weeping and wailing when our Lord Jesus, the true ruler of the world, returns on the day of visitation on that day he will renew creation raise all of the dead and bring his kingdom complete concretely into our sight with all power and glory on that day the world's false joy will be revealed and it will know sorrow as it follows the devil and his evil angels into the outer darkness but for those who believe for those who have waited on the lord To those who have trusted in him for salvation, they will receive everlasting joy, which no one will take away. On that day, those who believe will be raised in bodies immortal, and seeing Christ as he is with our own eyes, we shall become like him. Now he is with the Father, interceding for us and for our every need. On that day, he will come to earth, and heaven will descend, and God will make his home among mankind, in the midst of all people whom he has redeemed through the blood of Christ. There we shall receive everlasting comfort from the Lord, everlasting joy of sins forgiven and life eternal with our Creator and our Redeemer. For what else could we do but rejoice in the presence of him who loves us and demonstrated his love for us in such a way as to die for us, to redeem us from death, even when we did not know him. Thanks be to God, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. May he keep us constant in this faith through all trials, tribulations, and sorrows, that waiting on him we may be renewed in strength and receive from him the joy that cannot be taken away and will remain with us forever. May God grant this unto all of us through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.